Okay, we are in Daniel chapter 4. I, I left you off with the cliffhanger last time, didn't I? Nebuchadnezzar has told his dream. And we've been, last week we talked about how God was pursuing Nebuchadnezzar. Starts all the way back in chapter 1, goes to chapter 2, chapter 3. God's pursuing Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Why would God pursue a pagan, ungodly, demon-worshipping, polytheistic king? The, the answer came last week in verse, chapter 4, verse 17. In order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows on it whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. The sovereignty of God. God wanted Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar's testimony could change the world. Have you ever thought about that? How many... How, how many times God just says, hey, listen, all it takes is one person to be fully surrendered to Jesus Christ and he can change the world. And, and so here, here in the book of Daniel, we've been watching as God has been working on Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar does this. He keeps God at arm's length. Oh, you're the God of Daniel that, that reveals dreams. You're the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that allows them to go through the fiery furnace. But, but you're not my God. You're a God. You're a big God. But you're not my God. Do we do that? Oh, absolutely we do that. We, we can say, oh, you know, I, I, I believe in God. There's a, the, it says the devils believe and they tremble. But, uh, but you know, I still like my, the God over here of, of prestige, the God of, of pride, the God of money. Uh, you know, and God says, no, there can only be one God. And he has over and over tried to get Nebuchadnezzar to understand that. And so we see it, we saw last week that God sent him this dream. And this dream, the first half of it, is, is awesome. He's this great tree that feeds the world, that, that provides shade for everybody. The birds nest in its branches. It goes all the way to the heavens. Everybody can see it. But the second half comes the personal indictment of God that says, because you have not listened to me, I'm the one who put you there. And I'm the one that can take you down. And the second half of that dream, kind of reminds you, your mother ever tell you that? I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Right? And God says, I gave you all of this. I used you to take the children of Israel into captivity 
because they owed me 70 years of Sabbaths. And so I used you, but you didn't acknowledge that. And now I've sent Daniel to interpret this dream for you, and you're going to find out. You're going to find out what it means to not acknowledge me. So let's turn in our Bibles, chapter 4, Daniel chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 19 to 27. Daniel chapter 4, 19 to 27. Now remember, the king has already revealed to him the dream. And now Daniel's going to interpret it. Verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. The king responded and says, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. And Belshazzar replied, my lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. The tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt and in whose branches the birds of the sky lodged. It is you, O king, For you have become great and grown strong and your majesty has become great and reached to the sky and your dominion is to the end of the earth. And in that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation. O king, this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon the Lord the King, that you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field and you will be given grass to eat like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that the heaven, it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Wow. Daniel, 
is placed in quite a predicament. As we talked about last week, what was the first thing that Nebuchadnezzar did? He called all those demon-possessed guys, the, the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, the astrologers. He called all of them, and, and it says they couldn't give an answer. I believe they wouldn't give him the interpretation, because who wants to give the king that kind of news? Not me. But Daniel, the first thing I want you to understand is Daniel had compassion for Nebuchadnezzar. He had compassion for Nebuchadnezzar. Come on. (laughs) There we go. Now we go too far. He had compassion on Nebuchadnezzar. You know, he, he looks at Nebuchadnezzar. He's appalled. He's alarmed. And what does he say? I wish this dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. He says, I wish it wasn't you. This isn't good news. We're, we're called to have compassion. We look at the world and we, we see a world filled with what? Sin, degradation. We look, at, we look around us and, and we see, you know, uh, sometimes my mind is just boggled. Celebration of a, the Super Bowl. Two teenagers pull out guns and just start blazing. 22 people injured, one dead. Where, where, they're teenagers. Where did they learn that? We, we can, you can go any place. You can walk, walk down to the Lynn County Jail sometime and just see the people that are getting released strung out on drugs. We see people that have thrown their lives away. Watch, all you have to do is watch the news. And God calls us to do what? Rescue them. Because he has the power, right? He has the power to break chains of addiction. He has the power to let the captive free. He has the power to release those who are are held. But what does he use? He uses us. We're God's mouthpiece. Do you realize that you have been given the responsibility to share the gospel to those who are hurting? And it doesn't always look pretty. It doesn't always smell good. But God has called us to be the agent to them. That's what this is all about. It's not about the stuff. It's about the fact that we have an opportunity to reach into somebody who is hurting and needs help. And in the process of that, sharing Jesus Christ. Jude chapter, or Jude verses 22 and 23 says, And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. 
and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. We're to have mercy. You see, there are some folks out there that are just, they're doubting. They, they've heard a little bit about Jesus. Maybe somebody took them to Sunday school somewhere along the way. They've heard, but they're, they're just not sure. They need somebody to sit down with them and say, listen, let me show you from the word of God how you can know for sure you can be saved and go to heaven. And the others, we need to snatch from the fire. We need to with every ounce of our being, reach out our hand and pull them out of the fire. God has called us that. And Daniel had that kind of compassion. But he also had the ability to confront Nebuchadnezzar. You see, sometimes we get a little afraid Nebuchadnezzar's a big shot. With the mere wave of his hand, he can have Daniel assassinated. He can say, I don't like what you said, off with your head. He's done that before. Matter of fact, his favorite saying in chapters 1, 2, and 3 is, let's just chop them up in little bits and, and then put their, knock their houses down into a rubbish heap. That's the kind of man that Nebuchadnezzar is. He has that power. You didn't interpret my dream, we're going to kill all of you. And Daniel has the, the wherewithal to say, Nebuchadnezzar, first of all, he tells him, it's not my judgment, it's God's. It's God's most high's judgment on you. Not mine, but you need to hear this. And sometimes that's hard. It's hard because it may be a family member they don't want to hear. Who are you? I'm the baby of the family. I, I, I am. My, uh, and I was really sick when I was a kid, so I got away with a lot. Because between being, I had asthma when I was a child, and so when all the other kids had to go out and, and work in the garden and mow the grass and do all that kind of stuff, and I was this little bitty runt guy, you know, sitting there and, and looking out the window in my room that had an air purifier, and, and they hated that. And, I, and, and I, I, I be, I'll be honest, I milked it for all it was worth. When, uh, for years when I would preach, a lot of the family would show up, but my oldest sister, she said, I can't listen to you preach because every time I do, the memories of what a little turd you were I'm just going to be honest with you. Came out. And then God got a hold of her heart. She had lived with me for, for a few months. And, and uh, she needed, to, she needed some, some help with, some, uh, with, spirit, with uh, Celebrate Recovery. She didn't want to go alone. Wonderful organization. So I said, I'll go with you. So her and I went to celebrate recovery until she got okay with going by herself. And when I started pastoring here, guess who came up and showed up on the third seat from the, from the front? My sister did, and she's still heavily involved in a church uh, over in Philomath where she lives. 
You see, sometimes you have to have the ability to confront when it's not comfortable. Whether it's family, whether it's somebody that's, that's above you, he had the ability to confront. He, says, he said to him, it is you. And, and I, think, I think Daniel probably got this from reading the Psalms. A little story about David. David had sinned with Bathsheba. And God called Nathaniel, Nathan, excuse me, in 2 Psalms 12, he called Nathan. He said, Nathan, you're going to go call the king out. So Nathan comes in and Nathan walks up to the, to the throne and David's sitting on the throne. And he says, David, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about something that's happened in your kingdom he said, there was this poor guy that only had one little lamb. He loved that little lamb with all his heart. That lamb lived in the house. He, he, would, he would cuddle that lamb at night. That was the only lamb he had. He was very poor. And right next door to him was a very rich sheep farmer. He said, one day, one day a visitor came to the rich man's house and he didn't want to go get one of his sheep. So he went over to the poor neighbor's house and he stole his one little lamb. That's all that he had. He stole that lamb and he came home and he slaughtered it and he fed it to his guest. And it says that David said, got all kinds of upset. He went into a rage and he says, whoever that man is, I'm going to have him killed. And Nathaniel stood in front of the king and it says, you are the man. That took a lot. For Nathan to stand before, before David and say, you're, you're it. Sometimes we need to let people know that sin is sin. We, have, we need to let people know there's only one way to heaven. They may not want to hear it, but he had the willingness to confront Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel, after he finishes interpreting the dream, you know what he does? He calls Nebuchadnezzar to repent and change now. He says, he says Nebuchadnezzar, if you will just repent, maybe God, verse 27, therefore, O king, May my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now. When? Oh, now. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case that there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Not just repent. Not just confess. You see, a lot of people want to, oh, I, I'm going to come to Jesus. I will confess my sin but they don't want to change. They're very comfortable with their lifestyle. They don't want to say, oh, well, God's word says what? Uh, well, you know, I, I'll confess it, but I don't want to change. And that's exactly, he's, he said, you need to change. Not just repent, but you need to change. And you need to do it tomorrow. 
You need to do it now. 2 Corinthians 6.2, For he says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Well, <coughs> it tells us that, Dan, that Nebuchadnezzar waits an entire year. Let's read, uh, let's read 28 to 33. 28 to 33. And all this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is not this Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? Got a little eye problem, doesn't he? While the word was in the king's mouth, the voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you and you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like the cattle and seven periods of time will pass over until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows on it whomever he wishes. And immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like the cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his Hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Twelve months pass. And what was Nebuchadnezzar doing? Walking on the roof. Kind of reminds you of, of David, right? In the cool of in the spring of the year, when kings go out to battle. David was walking on this balcony one night and he looks down and he sees Bathsheba and so the story begins, right? King Nebuchadnezzar is walking on the roof of his palace. Now we know from, from history that he had done great things. The, the hanging gardens of Babylon were said to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. He had literally build, built a mountain for one of his queens that he had taken that had come from a mountain region and Babylon's in the middle of the desert, right? She missed it. So he literally built a mountain in the middle of Babylon and put all the gardens in there so that she would not be worried, that she would not be, miss her home country the hanging gardens of Babylon. He had done a lot of things. But who gave him the power? Who put him there? The God Most High. And he couldn't recognize that. Twelve months passed by. 
Daniel had said, you need to repent now. And as day after day passes, I think he kind of thought, hmm, God wasn't really serious, was he? That dream that I had, God, I'm not going to worry about it. Do not confuse the patience of God with the permission of God. You got that? You see, God is patient. But that doesn't mean he's saying that your lifestyle's okay. He's not saying your sin's okay. God is just patient. He had told Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen. And God gave him a full year to repent, and he didn't. It went the other way. Matter of fact, 2 Peter 3, 9 says it perfectly. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to what? Repentance. Now, in his dream, God promised Nebuchadnezzar what? You're going to become like an animal. You're going to wander for seven years. You're going to wander like a beast of the field. Your mind is not going to be right. And he said, you have, Daniel said, come on, repent now. But he didn't. And so God was faithful to his promise but he was patient. And finally he came to the point where God says, hey, now's the time. As he, as he spoke with Daniel or with uh, up on his rooftop, he's like, it's, it, look what I've done. No. Amen. Exactly. And where do we find that? Proverbs 16 18, matter of fact, you can find this all through Proverbs. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. You know, he was, where was he looking? He was looking down. He was up on his rooftop. He was looking down. Oh, look at all these little people who serve me. You ever met somebody like that? I used to know a guy, his favorite, he'd greet somebody, he says, uh, it's good for you to meet me. You know, you, you'll catch it in a minute. I'm glad you could meet me. You've met people like that. They're looking down, and that was his problem. Where did he need to look? Up. He needed to look up. You see, when we start looking up, God says, hey, look, at, look what I've done. You think you're, you're big with your with your kingdom here that you have and all this stuff that you built in Babylon, the beautiful city. They, it says that they had, the walls were so thick that they could ride two chariots side by side and they would have races with their chariots across the top. It was an amazing city, 14 miles square, huge by, by those standards. And he said, look what I've done. I built all this. Well, the reality was he hadn't built one thing. He had a lot of people doing that for him. 
But he looked down, James 4, 6, and three different times it quotes this throughout the New Testament, but I'm just going to give you one. But he gives a greater grace, therefore it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I believe that when it says that immediately this happened, immediately this becomes true in his life. And and I believe that what God did is he, he just said, you're so engrossed with the demon world. Remember all of these conjurers and sorcerers and enchanters that he was so engrossed with that he was calling along the way to come and give him advice? They're all demons. They're all demon-powered. I think God just said, okay, you like the demon world? I'm going to turn them loose on you. And immediately what happened? His mind went to a place that is never meant for a human mind to go, into the pits of hell. He lost reason. And and you're thinking, well, well, why? Because God says, if you want to fool with that, I'm going to allow you to see what the outcome is that, that is. We talked about last week, you know, that, that the devil will never tell you the bad stuff. After spending all the years that I did in law enforcement and watching, watching methamphetamine, watching alcohol, watching all the different drugs that are out there devastate lives, devastate families, devastate... God will say, if you want to fool with it, you're going to see what's going to happen. And that's what, that's what I believe God did with Nebuchadnezzar. He said, fine, I'm going to turn you over to the demons. And he said, well, pastor, how do you, why do you think that? Because of Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is in a boat and uh, he goes over to a place called the Gerasenes, uh, an area uh, on the Galilean coast. And he r- comes over there and he says he encountered a man. And he said, this man was possessed by demons. Matter of fact, when he asked her name, he said, my name is Legion, because there was so many of them. And he says, this, this man was so bad, they tried to lock him up, put him in chains, put him in prison, and it says that he would break those chains, and finally, it says the the demons pushed him out into the desert, and he wandered the desert. Finally, he comes back, and Jesus finds him living in the tombs in the cemetery. And Jesus intervenes and he casts the demons out. And you know the story. He puts them into the pigs. The pigs run in and drown themselves in the, in the, in the lake. But Luke 8.35. And the people went out to see what had happened. Big commotion. 
All this has been going on. And they came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had gone out sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Jesus cast out every one of those demons. And what did he do? He restored him. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And what happened to the people? And they became frightened. Wow. They, were, they had been frightened of this man. They tried to lock him up. They put him in chains. He broke the chains. They had, and here he is sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. Who is this guy, that, this Jesus? He's the God who can lift up and restore. And he's also the God who can take down. Well, let's see. Let's see what happens with Nebuchadnezzar. He, he's going to be for seven years. He's going to be out in the field. Now, now so it says seven periods of time. I believe that's that, that when you look at what happens, it says that his hair is like eagle's feathers. His claws become like talons. Now, I don't know about you, but it takes a while for that to happen. I believe seven years is, 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 is probably exactly what happened. Seven periods of time. He's out there. He's naked. Now, what did they say? What did, what did the dream say? Leave the stump in the ground and put it put around it brass and iron rings for seven years. Now, remember, he's the king. Does anybody want the king of the greatest nation in the world to be seen running around naked out in the woods, drenched in dew, talons for fingernails, hair wild. I believe they, they actually watched to make sure that nobody could see where he was. Nobody could see the king because as soon as the king is revealed as being out here acting like a cow, acting like a wild beast, what's going what's to happen all, to all the places around him? Everybody's coming after him. Everybody's coming. And for seven years, they hide the secret. They hide the secret that the king is demon-possessed. And he's out in the wilderness. Well, let's see what happens now to Nebuchadnezzar. But at the end of that period, after the seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. My reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he, according to his will, in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? 
And at that time, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished by the sovereignty, by, in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are true and his ways are just and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Amen. Absolutely. I want you to notice a couple things. Whoops. Wow. Back one more. There we go. His repentance and restoration were personal. I Nebuchadnezzar, remember this is a first person account that he gave to Daniel. He said, I, I had to look up. I had to acknowledge that God was sovereign. I, and that's, that's the problem with most people, isn't it? They don't want to give up their sovereignty. Oh, I, I, my truth is my truth. I'm the king of my life. I'm the one who controls what happens to me. I got news for you. You're not. He had to look to Jesus. The second thing I want you to notice is that his restoration is always complete. You see, not only, wouldn't it be enough for Nebuchadnezzar to, to come back to his right mind and just live out his days with a nice haircut and, and a mani-pedi. Wouldn't that have been enough? No. God says, I'm going I'm to give it all back to you. Matter of fact, I'm not only going to give it all back to you, I'm going to restore more than you had before. See, that's the way God does. He restores completely the the. The demonic man sitting next to Jesus was in, not only in his right mind, but he was clothed. And at the end of the story, he goes back into the village and tells people about the glory of Jesus Christ. You see, God rest, restores completely. People finally came back to him and said, Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, can we, can we talk to you? We want to get your counsel. But it's no longer his counsel. Whose counsel is it? It's God's. The God Most High. He mentions no other God in here. Only the God Most High. His, res- his restoration is complete. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you about something. I think, that, I think one of the things that happens quite often is, is we forget that there are consequences. Now, The penalty for Nebuchadnezzar's sin of pride was paid not by his seven years. It was paid by the grace of God. And I believe that one day we will see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. I mean, just by listening to his his proclamation here of his belief in Yahweh, the God of heaven, 
and, and in him alone. But I also know that you can't live for seven years running around naked in the forest without having scars. And I believe that when he would start to get a little prideful about what God was doing through him, he would reach up underneath his, his sleeve or inside and he would feel the scars from those seven years of running around. You see, scars are there, why? It's there to remind us of the consequences of sin. The consequences of not doing what's right. When I was in college, I was invincible. Anybody ever been that way? I was, uh, I, I just started my law enforcement career, and uh, I was, you know, a fit young man, and, and uh, who's to tell me what to do, and, and who, what, you know, this is back in the day before seatbelts were mandatory. Who's going to tell me to wear a seatbelt? One night on the way back to college, Ford four-wheel drive pickup pulled out in front of my little Toyota station wagon. My face went through the windshield. My knee tore out the gear shift. and They hauled me to the hospital. The paramedics told the, told the driver, leaned up and said, you can, you can slow down. This kid's not going to make it. Luckily, at the hospital, I had a wonderful surgeon. And he put 80 stitches to sew me back together. Since that day, I never forget to put my seatbelt on. Now, you can't see the scars. They, most of you can't. Some people, if they look really close. But all I've got to do is reach up here, and I can feel that scar where the doctor, I can reach up here and feel my earlobe where they sewed my ear back on. You see, we got scars. Nebuchadnezzar didn't have to wear the scars. Nebuchadnezzar could have repented a year before when, when Daniel says, now's the time to repent. We don't have to wear the scars. We just have to come to the offer that Jesus makes. I want to change your life. I want to fix what's going on with you. I want to become that, that thing inside of you that, that releases you not only from the penalty of your sin, but I want you to know you don't have to go through that to get to there. And I think that's the story. The story that Nebuchadnezzar told those people when they came to him to ask Give us some wisdom. He says, repent now. Don't go through God's gauntlet. You don't have to. You don't have to bear the scars of going through that. Well, we're going to come to communion. And scars can also remind us of God's pleasure for us. How much God loves us. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What? Right, right. 
right? We all know that. That God gave his son. But his son had to give himself on the cross. And isn't it interesting that after Jesus was raised from the dead, it says that he got his glorified body. We know it was glorified because, we, because he passed through walls. But even in passing through that wall, those walls, you know what he kept from the cross? His scars. And he said, put your hands, go ahead. Put your hands in my side. I did that for you. 